Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another episode. And I promised we'd start getting into problematic money behaviors. And the first one that I want to get into is workaholism. And this, I don't have scripts for these, so I'm not totally sure where I'm going to go with this. Because workaholism is something that is really personal to me. Because as I said last time, it's my drug of choice. And so there's one aspect of workaholism that I understand. There's another part of work that could be workaholism that's harder to understand. It kind of gets wrapped up into the um, phrase, are you a workaholic? Are you doing what you love? And maybe this is even a deeper discussion for another podcast. But let's see where we go. First, I just want to get into what is workaholism. A recent study by the Vision Council of 2000 Employed Americans found that 48% of these surveyed say they are workaholics. Now, most workaholics are going to say I'm a workaholic with a badge of honor. It's, it's very unlike a lot of other isms, say like alcoholism, that people can tend to, to hide. Certainly, very few people would just come out and say, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And, yet, and, and certainly... 48% of America does not identify with being, being an alcoholic. And yet workaholism is so popular or embraced by those that have it. Uh, you can hear a workaholic say, yeah, of course. You think you work a lot? I spent 12 hours working yesterday. And there can be some martyred, martyrdom around that. But there also can be some... Look how important I am. Look at how much I contribute to society. Could be a little bit about having a lot of pride in what they make. And workaholism is generally applauded in culture. Hard workers are admired. Ask (laughs) ask a business owner, would you rather hire a workaholic or somebody who isn't a workaholic, if they're really plugged in and they really understand workaholism, they will want to hire somebody who's not a workaholic because of the costs, the inevitable burnout, uh, the relationship issues. But uh, I can't help but think there's a part of every business owner that is just really pleased when they have a workaholic in that it does mean more productivity. 
which could at least in the short term fall to the bottom line. So, and if you think about that, workaholism is incented in our society. You get salary increases, you get promotion, you get praise for your productivity. And this really, we'll talk about this, can be some become such a part of what somebody is that people will put off retirement. There'll be people uh, like myself that will say, eh, I don't think I'm going to probably retire till it's not fun anymore or I'll work till the day that I die. So this is kind of um, a real insidious addiction. And uh, workaholism in its pure form is an addiction, right? So here, here's what this particular survey found is the top 10 signs of a workaholic. Prioritizing work before personal life, 54%. Worrying about work on a day off, 51%. Struggling to switch off or stop working while on a vacation, 48%. Checking emails in the middle of the night, 48%. Being the first person to get to work and the last to leave, 46%. Feeling pressure or too busy to take annual leave, 46%. Working through lunch, 45%. Feeling anxious if I don't check in or know what's happening at work, 45%. Being told by friends and family, I work too much, 44%, and checking emails the first thing in the morning, 39%. Top 10 signs of a workaholic. Now, uh, when I look at that and apply it to myself, and I have said at times I'm a recovering workaholic, and sometimes I wonder, <laughs> I do wonder, but for example, prioritizing work before my personal life. Oh, I think I have pretty good self-care. But that's a fine line. That's a fine line for me. Worrying about work on a day off. Check. Uh, struggling to switch off working while on a vacation. Absolutely. And the crazy thing for myself is that back in the days of... Um, before we had smartphones, I would try and find a uh, internet cafe so I could check in and check what's going on. Now, yeah, I own my company. Probably have a little higher engagement. I don't know that that let, lets me off the hook. But since I've gotten a smartphone, I can. my wife says, you're much more present on vacations than you used to be. But I don't trash my cell phone when I travel or I'm on vacation. In fact, I will tell my wife, and she would agree, that the reason I, I can be so connected to work is the reason we can go on vacation. Now, you could say that's a good sign of how addicted I am. And I'm not going to say that's wrong. Checking emails in the middle of the night, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't do that. I'm a, I'm a sleepaholic. Uh, being the first person to get to work and the last to leave. Oh, that certainly was true back in the day. Mm, you know, that I probably match my employees 
in that regard. And of course, today, when does work start with a, an office in the home, which can exacerbate work addiction, right? Feeling pressured or too busy to take annual leave. Oh, again, uh, back when I was traveling, which was two years ago, I did a pretty good job at taking uh, at least one, if not two, annual vacations. So I didn't have a problem taking that. The problem was, of course, I, I took my, my cell phone, my computer with me. Working through lunch, yeah. I think back in the days when I was truly the most work addicted, and I'll hopefully explain that. I ate lunch every day. I don't eat lunch now, mostly because I'm older and mostly because I don't need the food. So I'm not so sure that, that that is accurate. Feeling anxious if I don't check in or know what's happening at work? Check that box. Being told by friends and family that I work too much. For the, This is a big one. This is a big one to pay attention to. Because who knows more about who's an alcoholic? It's everybody around the alcoholic, right? And when, I've been told when a, um, an activity starts interfering with relationships is when it's leaning into being an addiction. And so I think when a spouse or kids are saying, hey, you work too much, that that's a warning sign. Uh, and I've checked that out a lot with my family and been told that when I'm with them, I am with them. And uh, they have convinced me that they don't, feel that I'm unavailable because I work too much. And uh, the last one is checking emails first thing in the morning. Absolutely. Check that box. So, you know, of those 10, uh, there's a good, what, good six that I would still identify with today. So I'm not coming to you um, with this topic with the idea that I am cured or I am blameless in this area or that I don't struggle with it. Uh, as I said, it is my drug of choice. So I am, I remain open to how recovered am I really? So workaholism is uh, pretty common. I mean, if you're a workaholic, obviously you're, you got a lot of company. I think I, I want to say that the amount of money earned by the workaholic really has nothing to do with whether they're a workaholic. The trappings of being a workaholic can be an increase in income. Now, I would say often is, but a person can be a workaholic whether they are a CEO of a really large corporation or an unpaid volunteer in a nonprofit organization. So the, the money really isn't the issue. The issue is that when a workaholic is under stress, especially financial stress, their automatic solution is to work even more, just as an alcoholic solution to stress is drink. So I think the operative word there is stress. 
and we'll, we'll examine what that is. Uh, you just don't go to too many places or read too many books or hear too much in our society about the poor effects of workaholism. Typically, the financial rewards that result from that are what are really stressed or the accolades or the promotions. Also, workaholism is um, something that is seen a lot by financial planners. Why? Well, if you think about it, only 30% of America would not have to borrow or sell something to come up with $1,000. And I'm high in my 30% estimate. So people that tend to come to financial planners tend to have money. And if a person tends to have money, they tend to know how to at least keep it. And part of keeping it is um, not spending everything you have, having a, a way to pay yourself first. And obviously, um, most know how to earn it. Or I, I would say probably have higher earnings than the average. So that's just not surprising. So here's how I like to frame workaholism. That Workaholics use work, work being their drug of choice, to medicate and suppress feelings of emotional pain, of low self-esteem, of feelings of inadequacy. Uh, when working, it's like alcohol. It's like a chemical substance. Uh, they get a high from working. Sometimes they could do work binges. And that high really medicates, pushes away the stress, which are usually difficult emotions. <clears throat> but you can, you can only work for so long. Uh, just like any other addiction, they can eventually crash from exhaustion. They can become irritable. These feelings start to bubble up because the medication is gone. Uh, low self-esteem is bubbling up. Anxiety is bubbling up. Sometimes depression. Uh, whatever the suppressed emotions are. And then, of course, what's the solution to that? More work. Another thing is that workaholics often end up feeling resentful and unappreciated, uh, unappreciated uh, because they give so much to their workplace. So this could be in a, a need for belonging, a need for being seen. If I work more, I'll be seen. And of course, when you work, if the money script is, if you work hard enough, you will be seen and you're not seen, that causes a real internal dissonance, disconnect. So it's just a, kind of a vicious circle. Something that workaholics report is less satisfaction in their relationships with friends, family, their community, than a control group, say, of, of non-workaholics. They report more work-life conflict, more work stress, more life dissatisfaction, a lower sense of purpose, 
And really ironically, a lower job satisfaction than non-workaholics. They find that employees who are workaholics tend to mistreat others at work more. And this is probably because of the high perfectionism that is inherent in most workaholics. So, like we said, workaholism isn't about the money. Why? Well, we said it's a Medicare. Workaholics feel better about themselves at work than in any other part of their lives. Their most meaningful and most satisfying relationships are often work-related. At work is where they feel more comfortable than doing anything else. Why? One thing could be that they uh, feel that they're held in higher regard at their jobs than anywhere else. They feel more a part of things. They feel, well, like I was saying, more seen than anywhere else. They feel competent at work. They can have the sense of control and mastery over what they do. The need for belonging can really be satisfied at work. Again, I work hard. I'm really good. I'm productive. I get seen by people. And being productive is another real important part of the, the workaholic because they have a part that really believes they have to be productive. Part of who they are, part of the value that they bring is what they do and the, and the ability to get things done. So you can see the more that they work, the more productive they are, the more valuable they feel. And then there's the workaholic, uh, which is very common too, that they believe the best way to be responsible to their loved ones, to their family, to their significant others is to work hard and to sacrifice themselves at work. I personally relate with a lot of that. So... Workaholism is to be taken seriously. Why? Because an obsession with an addiction to work can have super serious detrimental effects on your relationships, on your health, and on your personal growth. And also the relationships that suffer are both external and internal relationships. That's the personal growth part of them. And this is something I know something about because my first marriage ended. Largely, a large component was my uh, addiction to work. And I did work 80 hours a week back then. I did work to medicate difficult emotions. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't cognizant of this. I wasn't necessarily aware of this. Oh, I'm feeling pain, so I'm going to go work. Uh, my belief back in that day was the really together mature person doesn't 
feel. My uh, MO, my goal in life was to be a, f- a flatliner when it came to feelings because I had parts of myself that believed that if you're feeling something, uh, that's a sign of weakness. That's a sign of being defective. And if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a type one in the Enneagram, and their deepest fear is that they're defective, that they're corrupt, that something's wrong with them. So it was such a given. It was such a given. I remember once I had a a pretty big blowout with my wife and I went, where did I go? I went to work. And I remember a um, local pastor came by that my wife had called and came in and he talked with me a little bit. He says, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this. You're sitting here calm, cool, collected, like nothing is going on in your life. And you've just had this big fight with your wife. And I was kind of like, yes. Job done. Score. Yeah, great. I'm successful. So, so today I look at that and I look at the relationships I have in my life and I have deeper relationships than I ever did in my life. I look at my health and I, I personally spend 60 to 90 minutes a day working out. That's something that I, I, didn't do. I did start running, and some of that I think you could could say could have been addictive too. I um, am pretty involved in personal growth ever since my divorce. I mean, that's what put me on the road to recovery and doing the work that I'm doing today. So I look at that. I go, oh, there's some things that are in balance here, plus the dynamic that most of what I'm, I do uh, feels like play, is energizing. It didn't always feel that way. I mean, I was trapped in a job which was real estate. I allowed myself to be trapped, of course, for 20 years wanting to get out that I didn't enjoy, but it made the money. What I was feeling passionate about was becoming a fee-only financial planner, and that didn't pay the bills back in the day. So um, I can look at this from from a a bunch of of different angles. Something else that um, I need to mention is that workaholism is uh, often a family disease passed down uh, generationally. In IFS, we call these legacy burdens. And a lot of this is perfectionism. A lot of what workaholics can pass down to their kids are unrealistic and unattainable standards. So I certainly can uh, relate to that. And I can't, uh, I know workaholism was definitely in my lineage. So I I definitely witnessed, especially men, uh, working very hard. So What's underneath the workaholism, the perfection, productivity, the pain? We have parts of us that feel driven to work because of some type of trauma or wounding at a young age. 
and these traumas and woundings have not been resolved. And the, the wounding produces a plethora of feelings, uh, usually stemming from some type of abuse, some type of trauma, physical abuse, neglect, verbal abuse, chronic criticism, the list goes on and on. Gabor Mate, he is the author of the bestseller in the realm of hungry ghosts, affirms this link between trauma and addiction. And he says that I think childhood trauma or emotional loss is the universal template for addiction. It's impossible to understand work addiction without asking what relief the work addict finds or hopes to find in work. So to really get to know yourself and to understand your addiction, you've got to look deeply. And I would say this, you need to be open to the possibility that while the real you is compassionate, confidence, has confidence, is courageous, there are parts of you that are wounded parts that could be jealous, could be vindictive, could be selfish, coming from unfortunate life experiences. They could be uh, deeply hurt. They could be scared to death. They could be very sad. And so these are the parts that we need to uncover with ourselves. These are the parts we need to come to understand because our managers, these are the exiles, these wounded parts, and the managers are saying, we don't want that out. We don't want to let that out. Let's medicate it. And the managers are using the work to help medicate those super difficult emotions. So what I want you to, to know, it doesn't have to remain this way for you. Uh, you are not terminal. You are not born a work addict. You are not born and traumatized. This happened to you. And you can absolutely change uh, your life and your trajectory just as Ebenezer Scrooge changed his life. And the formula, it's going into our past so we can become present and see how we're showing up so we can create a future that is so much different. So thanks for joining me for this. If you want a workaholism questionnaire, there's one in facilitating financial health that has uh, 19 different questions around uh, workaholism. And uh, if you would like that, um, drop me an email and we can get, get that to you. So thanks for joining. If you have comments, questions, reach out to me, rick at rickkaler.com. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.